Good morning. I think I'm double mic'd. So we had Thanksgiving, uh, and it's been a, probably a busy weekend for a lot of people, but you're here, so that's great. Yeah. Welcome. Um, <clears throat> I admire Job in the Bible. He's someone that's really kind of hard not to be impressed with what he dealt with and how he responded to it. Um, but of course, Job is someone that we would like to learn from without having to learn the lessons the way he learned them. And there's a, another person in more modern history um, who has similarities in his story to Job. Uh, this man was by the name of Mr. Spafford. Mr. Spafford lived in Chicago um, back in like the 1890s, I think, um, 1870s-ish, somewhere in that time range. And uh, Mr. Spafford, he had four daughters, one son, and one wife. Now, Mr. Spafford, he is a lawyer, and he was pretty practical, and so he invested in real estate. Um, and I would imagine from, from what I've read, he was doing quite well. Well, in 1871, there was a fire in Chicago, and it destroyed all of his properties, all of his real estate. And as a result of that fire, Mr. Spafford was financially ruined. But all of that was eclipsed by a greater tragedy. In the fire, Mr. Spafford lost his son, who at the time was four years old. In the wake of that disaster, Mr. Spafford decided um, that he was going to go with his family to Europe to join uh, D.L. Moody and his evangelistic campaigns to support him um, in that. And at the last minute, Mr. Spafford had to deal with some administrative issues caused by this Chicago fire that destroyed so much of his life. And so he sent his family ahead, and while his wife and four daughters were at sea, their ship struck another ship, and the ship sank rapidly. Mr. Spafford received a telegram from his wife that said, survived alone, because his four daughters were lost in that, that accident. <clears throat> so Mr. Spafford boarded a ship to join his grieving wife in Europe. And the ship was to pass by the area where his daughters were lost. And as Mr. Spafford's ship passed by that area, he wrote these words. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to know that it is well, it is well with my soul. And that song was originally known as Villa du Harve, which was the name of the ship that sank. So let's pray. God, on earth, this life is so often marked by suffering and tragedy. God, we know that you are good, and yet you do not spare us from these things. Lord, that we pray that you would give us your, your peace, and that we would, we, would have, we would have peace in you, God. We love you, Lord, and we pray that you would be with us today as we, we learn more about you. Amen. So this sermon series we are in is about prayer. Um, and today I'm going to be talking about gratitude. Now, you might be wondering, okay, can Michael get away with doing a sermon on gratitude in a prayer sermon series? Are they closely related enough? I think they are, so we're going to do it. Um, but there's, there's a reason for that. Uh, in 
gratitude and prayer seem to overlap very often in the Bible. And so we see a very blurry line between the two. For example, in 1 Thessalonians verse 5, it says, Rejoice always, which in, in the Greek translation is actually the shortest verse in the Bible. Um, Rejoice always, and then it says, Pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus for you. So I said it was a blurry line, and it's because they're, they're constantly being associated. And so in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, in the ESV, it says, Continue, this idea of constant, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And I also like this verse in the Amplified Version because it, it kind of expounds on it. Um, in the Amplified Version, Colossians 4, verse 2 says, Be persistent and devoted to prayer. Being alert and focused in your prayer life with an attitude of thanksgiving. So, the first idea that I want to convey to us today is that prayer is more than, it is deeper than language. So, questions. When we pray, how do we pray? Like, what are the mechanisms of prayer? Well, if you ask a youth pastor, they'll say something like, just talk to me like you're talking to God, right? And so, okay, so we, we talk. We talk in, in prayer, right? Is that how we pray? It's by talking. Is it just the words we say? Is it the language we use? John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. God is word, the word. What is word? When we communicate with God through prayer, is it our word, not just our language, communing with God's word? So, how many of us have heard of Albert Meribian? No one. That was expected. But you have probably heard of some of his, uh, the results of some of his studies. Um, and one famous one is this idea that 80 to 90% of communication is nonverbal. Uh, the large portion of it is body language. You see me, you know, body language. And part of it is tone of voice. And then a small portion of it is the actual words used. Unfortunately, this study is miscited and misused quite a bit. Um, but there is a truth in this that I think we can all agree on, and that is that when we communicate with other humans, it is more than just the sum of our words. Communication is more than the sum of our words. So that's, this is the, the, the first idea, is that communication is more, is greater than the sum of our words. Okay, so Michael, I think I got it. I think I get where you're going here. God sees us and he hears us. He's not just getting a telegraph or a text message of our prayer, stripped of emotion and inflection. Great. So let's take this thought even further. So when talking to other humans, our body language and tone of voice is communicating with them. Then what is our body language and tone of voice communicating? It's pretty easy to tell what our words are saying. Like those, those are sort of literal but what is our body language saying? 
So, though we choose our words carefully, your tone of voice and your body language betray you. They betray you when you are insecure, anxious, arrogant, bored, irritated. More interestingly, these things betray your conviction. They betray a dissonance between the words you choose and what you actually think or believe. And I'll give you an example of this. Take a polygraph, less formally known as a lie detector. What are they looking for? What do, what do they care about in a polygraph? They care about a dissonance between what you're saying and what you are, what you believe, what, you, what you're thinking, a disconnect. So why am I saying all of this? Why am I going on and on about this idea of what we communicate is more than just the sum of our words? It is because I want us to recognize that when we speak with God, we cannot hide behind carefully chosen words. I believe that we are skilled at acknowledging truth, subscribing to doctrine, saying the right things. The term believer is tossed around like the title to a members-only club. Yet, show me a believer, and I will show you someone who speaks with conviction, authority, proclaiming the greatness, the goodness, the compassion, the relentless love of our God. We lack conviction. All right, so Michael, don't say that about me, right? You don't know what I'm thinking. You can't speak to what's on the inside of me. You cannot tell me how I feel. I have conviction. I have belief. How dare you challenge that? How dare you challenge my identity as a believer? Fair. I will not challenge your, the, the, the reality, right? The reality that the power of God is within you. And I will not challenge the truth of how he has redeemed you. I will not challenge the awesome reality that you are eternally loved. I am challenged, though, by lack of conviction that I see and that I experience. I know that life goes on, right? Life goes on, we have everyday tasks that are good for us to attend to. The laundry must not be neglected. And these are all good things. These are good things for us to attend to. Life is made up of many small actions. If you tend to a tree, you may never watch it grow, but it will grow. I'm not condemning us. I, what I want is to see us grow in conviction in belief, and in faith. I want to see myself grow in conviction, in belief, and in faith. I want to hear conviction in your voice, born of sincere belief, born of the Spirit of God. In prayer, our whole being speaks to God. Pray without ceasing. Orient yourself to God in continual communion. To pray without ceasing is more than just to empty our mind of all of today's everyday tasks, right? It is to orient ourselves to God, our King, our Savior, friend, and Father. We must guard our hearts. Soldier, guard your heart. Do not let pride walk these palace halls, for the King of Kings dwells here. Soldier, guard your heart. Do not let envy pass through these gates, for we are a host to the creator, the giver of life. 
Soldier, guard your heart. Do not let fear in. Do not let greed in. Do not let lust in. Soldier, guard your heart. Of all the riches in this world, what did the king of kings lay down his life for? Was it gold? Of all the riches in this world, what did the king of kings die for? Was it the rivers and mountains? Soldier, guard your heart, for that is why he came. You were dead, and now you have life. Foster this life inside of you and grow. So, we begin with the story with this sermon, with the story of Mr. Spafford. The story of the song, It Is Well With My Soul. Why did we do that? I chose that story because it illustrates a state of being, a state of gratitude, a state of peace that is steadfast regardless of the winds and the waves of life. Now, sometimes I'll cringe when gratitude is reduced to this list of the good things in our life. Like, okay, well, this is my gratitude. It's a list of what's good. I I cringe at that. Yet, I I will say, my family um, has a tradition Every year during Thanksgiving, we write down all the good things that we're grateful for. And I do like that tradition. I'm not really, I'm not really saying anything against that. But what I want to do is go beyond a list of good things in our life when, we're, when we are approaching this idea of gratitude. You have heard that faith without works is dead. What about love? Love without action, is that dead too? What about generosity without the act of giving? Thoughts without the act of speaking? What does all this mean? We have a state of being, like love and faith, and we have associated actions that are fruits of this, this, of who we are and how we are. We have, so as an example, so in, in keeping the theme with, the, with gratitude, To give thanks is an action. To be grateful is a state of being. So for the sake of this sermon, I want us to think of this in two different parts. The state of being, it is well with my soul, and then the actions associated with it. And for example, gratitude can manifest the fruit of giving thanks. It can also manifest generosity, which can result in the act of giving. So we've gone several steps this way. Let's step and traces all the way back to Christ. When you give, it is the action of giving, which is a fruit of generosity. Fruit of generosity stems from the fruit of gratitude, which stems from the fruit of humility, which stems from the fruit of love, which stems directly from God. I'm making this distinction between the action and the state of being so that we can be more aware of what is happening, what is within us as we pray. Because remember, our prayers are more than just carefully chosen words. So we've been looking at this from a few different angles. I want to explore this further. So we are going to invite a guest speaker. And I could warn you, but I I won't. So, without further ado, Pastor Nope. Good morning, highly favored believers. It is a beautiful day, and you're all beautiful people. 
And I hope you all remembered to use your free gluttony pass for this last Thanksgiving. And if you forgot yours, you can pick one up at the gift shop, and I'm sure Stacy can backdate it for you. All right, enough about Thanksgiving. Black Friday was just this last Friday, and we have Cyber Monday tomorrow. So to help us stay in step with culture, I'm going to provide us with three easy steps to ditch gratitude. So look at the neighbor to your right and look at the neighbor to your left. Did you know that one out of three people is better than the other two? (laughs) And guess who that is? That's right, it's you. So if you are serious about kicking gratitude, a great place to start is to look in the mirror and come to the realization that you're just a little bit better than your neighbor. Why? Why is this effective? Well, no matter what your situation is, you can always be ungrateful. If you're in like a little bit of a better situation than your neighbor, you deserve it. If you're in a similar situation to your neighbor, you deserve better. And how dare you be in a worse situation than your neighbor? See how that works? No matter what the situation is, If you elevate yourself, if you elevate yourself, it is really hard to have a sense of gratitude. Okay, I'm back. Quick pause. Watch out for what that guy is saying. And I really want to level set us by bringing us back to Scripture. And I can't help thinking about that time that Satan was talking to Jesus, and Satan was giving Jesus all these wonderful temptations, or terrible temptations, however you want to frame that. And Jesus responds with Scripture. So we're going to respond to Scripture. In Matthew 22, it says, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. There's a second one. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. On these two commandments depend all of the law, and the prophets. So if on these two commandments, loving your neighbor as yourself depends all of the law and the prophets, it's reasonable to assume that if you get those two things wrong, all of the laws and all the prophets, they have nothing, there is no foundation that those ideas, this theology is built on. Love your neighbor as yourself. So um, if you can bear it, I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Nope. And be careful with what he says. Be discerning with his lies. All right, all right, all right. Step two in how to ditch gratitude in three easy steps. If there is something good for you to have, reach out and take it. Take it now. Why? Why wait on blessings when you can have it now? Impatience is a key to success. You need to turn your 10-year plans into one-year plans. You ask, Pastor Nope, what does this have to do with ditching gratitude? Well, everything. It is very difficult to be impatient and grateful at the same time. If it appears good for you, if it is attractive to you, if it is desirable for gaining wisdom, take it. Don't wait. You know the Lord's Prayer is such a good thing, you don't want to mess with it. But I like to take things to the next level. And so I'll say something like this. Lord, give us this day our daily bread and give us bread for the next 100 days so we don't have to ask you so often. Amen. 
Okay. I don't know if you're hearing this, but this so-called preacher just described Eve taking the fruit in the garden as if it was a good thing. Don't know if you caught that, but that's basically what he just said. The Bible is full of examples of people taking a good thing before a good time. Consider the prodigal son. You would not call him grateful, right? At least not the beginning of the story. He wants something before it is time. He is impatient. He is foolish. As children of God, it seems unfitting that we have struggles, that we live in a world that is hostile and filled with suffering. There are good things that we all want, but let's not be impatient. Let us be thankful in our current circumstances. Let us be thankful in all circumstances. The children of Abraham who reached for tomorrow's manna when they were in Egypt, when they reached for tomorrow's manna, they showed a lack of faith and a lack of gratitude, despite that being the practical choice, right? If I was there, it would be very practical. It's like, we haven't had food. Here's a ton of manna. Let's take it. But there are things that have their own seasons and their own times. Okay. We have our, our last visit with this, this preacher. All right, all right, all right. If you have been given a blessing, this is step three, y'all. If you have been given a blessing, hold on to that blessing. It is yours to keep. It belongs to you and not anyone else. We have decided through a reckless reading of scripture that we need to keep, keep, keep gratitude in check. So given that this is the season of indulgence, if we're keeping in step with culture, right? And since we want to be in step with culture, we're taking a serious look about keeping gratitude in check. And so if that's the case, we also need to be careful with being too generous. Let me break it down for you. Why does ditching gratitude naturally progress to ditching generosity? Generosity and gratitude, they're, like, they're in harmony. They're like two best buddies, right? Um, and if generosity and gratitude are in harmony, and we want to disrupt that harmony, that's, that's, that, would, that would be the, the approach we'd be taking. So giving is something that the grateful do, and isn't that what we're trying to avoid? Now here's one more. It's free. It's a freebie. I won't charge you for it. Easy. Complain. Whether it was your phone charger breaking, your phone screen cracking, your car not starting, or your coffee order not being right, let it out and complain. You deserve better. Don't wait to be, don't, I, I don't want you to be stuck in a subpar existence. Speak out against that. Name it and complain it. That's right. Name it and complain it. That's all I have for you. Okay. Um, bad preacher is gone. He's not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you're all happy about that. <laughs> so we need to get back to Scripture. It's important to do after hearing all that uh, heresy, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, 
treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Second Timothy has a really intense list of things we don't want to be, things we really know we shouldn't be. And some of the items on the list are not surprising. Others are like, oh, that, that made it to the list, right? Gratitude, um, a casual look might be one of those things where it's like, oh, that made it to that list of all these horrible things that we shouldn't be, right? Yes, gratitude made it to, to the list. And I want to read a, another list for us, and this is really kind of an opposite kind of a list. And that is in Galatians 5. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is, pause, yes, yes, it is love. But before we read this list, I want to maybe orient how we're thinking about it real quick. So whenever growing up I'd hear this, this list, the fruit of the Spirit, I think of the fruit of the Spirit as this abstract thing, right? But if we, if we pause and we think, like, like, who is the Spirit, right? This is, this is, this is God, and this is, the fruit of something is the, it is the effect of something. So, so God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, this is, this is the, the Spirit is the, the cause, and the fruit is the effect. And so when we're listing off the fruit of the Spirit, these are things that are stemming through, they're flowing through, they are the effect of God. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, despite the fact that Pastor Nope was giving us advice on how to ditch gratitude, I don't think it's necessarily always automatic for us to, to have gratitude. And the reason why is because we contend with our sinful, fleshly nature. We contend with pride and we contend with selfishness. And gratitude is not a friend of pride and selfishness. And so if, if, we, if we naturally lean in our, our fleshly sense, if we lean away from gratitude, and then in our, our spiritual sense, in our, our renewed self, we lean towards gratitude, we must foster those things within us. And so... In closing, the Spirit of God is what's producing these things. A Spirit of God produces love, the fruit of love. And one of the fruits that love produces is the fruit of humility. And humility produces the fruit of gratitude. Right? And so these things that we are fostering, they, they are stemming from the Spirit of God. And in this sermon, I don't want that to be overlooked, right? Because there's a very practical sense of like, okay, these are bad things, like that, that, list, that list we read of all the bad things in Second Timothy. Like, we don't want to be proud, arrogant, abusive, ungrateful, etc. okay? And so we want to be this list of good things like love, joy, peace, patience, etc. And so we, we as, as good stewards, as, as temples of the Holy Spirit, right, we want to foster the good and do away with the bad. But we, we really are very bad at changing ourselves, right? Because we are what we do, and we do what we are. And we're kind of on our own. We're in this negative cycle, and we need a source that is outside of ourselves to truly foster these things, right? So I don't want us to forget where, where the, the source of the, the fruits of the Spirit come from, right? So... As you pray, 
Pray with your whole being. Acknowledge that God sees you. Foster a heart of gratitude so that as you give thanks in prayer, you give thanks with a genuine heart. As you give, you give with a thankful heart. Let us be transformed by the one who can shape us into love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let us guard our hearts against pride and selfishness. Let us orient ourselves towards Christ in a pure state of thankfulness. And then let us enter his courts with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's pray. God, you are so good. You have given us the source of life. I pray that you would continue to aliven us, right? Thank you for, for your spirit. Thank you for giving us your son. We love you, Lord. Amen.